take your seats. I'm not going to preach long. I've talked too much already. Thank you, Don. But I do want to remind you this morning what the main game is. I want to remind you what makes us as believers different and distinct from the rest of the world. What marks us? How are we distinct from everyone else? And you may actually be surprised what that difference is. Because it's not actually what we believe. It's not our method of worship. It's not how we behave. And it's not even our good works. Because the world does all of those things in its different ways. It may have different motivations, but all of those things are happening in the world. The things that sets us apart is the presence of God. And this morning, my question to you, and I want to stir in you, are you still seeking Him and His presence? Is that your heart this morning? See, the presence of God is what it's all about. It's actually vital. It's what sets us apart from everyone else. Look at Exodus 33, verse 16. How will anyone know, this is Moses speaking to God, how will anyone know that you look favorably upon me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. It was God's presence that actually set the Israelites apart from the rest of the nations. It wasn't their law. It wasn't their sacrifices. It wasn't their culture. It wasn't their behaviors. It wasn't the orderedness of their society. The Bible clearly says right now, right here, that what made them distinct was the presence of God. God was with them. Does that what people say of you? Do they see the presence of God in your life or do they see you a part of a church? Do they see you as part of, of just doing something? You happen to be part of the church. Someone else is part of, a, of, of um, the wilderness society or something else. They just see as what you do. Or do they see there's something different about you because God, the ever-living God, is alive in your life. It's God's presence. Now, to be honest, if you know anything about you know, history, like this scripture is written 1,300 years before Jesus. And to be honest, the Jews, in how they did their society, were probably way ahead of almost all the other nations that were around them. You know, the other nations, they're still sacrificing children to try and get some kind of favor with God. And they had very little order in their societies, where the Jews had relatively great order. Their law gave them order around food, gave them order around marriage and sex, gave them order around work, order around money, around doing wrong and forgiveness. There was excellent communication within their society about what was right and wrong. It wasn't the chaos of so many of the other societies and, neighbor, and, and nations around them. So behavior-wise, culturally-wise, and life-wise, the Jews were quite distinct and well off in comparison with the other nations around them. But that's not what made them different. That's not what made them distinct. It was God's presence in their lives that made them different. 
It was the reality of God in their lives. The God was real. The God that they served, the God that they worshipped, the God that they did their life around was the true and ever-living God, the one true God. The nations, they worshipped wood and stones. They made up stories of ancestral spirits to try and make sense of their world. But that's all it could ever be because it's not real. They can tell you it's real. They can say things are real. They can tell you that this is good and, and that's great. But in the end, they haven't got God. Whatever your friends, family, the people who have yet to meet Jesus are believing in right now, it's nice but it's not real. All of a sudden, life will hit them and it won't work because life is actually about knowing God who made you. You know, the world can do anything and pretty much everything better than us, but they haven't got the presence of God because God's presence can't be manufactured. God's presence can't be manipulated. It's the fact that God is real and dwells within us that makes us distinct. You can have all the other whatevers of religion, of good things. You can have discipline, morals, and order, but they don't actually make us different or make us distinct. It's the presence of the ever-living God at work in our lives that actually makes us different. No wonder Moses declared, unless your presence goes with me, I'm not going anywhere. Because he he knew that without the actual presence of God, without actually having God at work in their lives, they were just like everyone else, trying to do the best they could. And that's what the world is out there doing right now. They're doing the best they can given their circumstances. But until they have an encounter with Jesus Christ, until the God who created them comes and touches them in their heart and they feel his presence, they'll never actually be different. You know, I was at a dinner one time with T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes is an incredible person, one of the best preachers in the world today. And he's done a lot of movies And they told us the story of his first movie. And the first movie that he made was Women Are Loose. It's actually an excellent movie, not a cringy one like a lot of Christian movies are. And he told us a story about Hollywood. And he said, you know, in this movie, the movie is Women Are Loose. If you can watch it, watch it. It's excellent. The movie opens with a scene of church worship. They're in a church. They're all worshiping. The altar's packed. It's just loud. It's great. It's wonderful. And all of a sudden, a girl pulls a gun out of her handbag and shoots someone in the altar call. We'd remember church that day, right, if that happened. It's a, it's a very, very powerful movie that tells the backstory to that happening. And it's an amazing story of who God is. And if you can see it, watch it. It's excellent. It's a very challenging movie. But I remember T.D. Jake saying this. He goes, Hollywood can't do the anointing. You can have the right props. You can have the right music, you can have the right people and everything can be right, but the presence of God can't be manufactured. He goes, when we did that scene, we actually had to do it in a church with a real church Christians who were actually worshipping God. We couldn't get singers, we couldn't get actors because they weren't going to cut it because you can't act out the presence of God, you receive and feel the presence of God. The actors couldn't cut it. 
It's the presence of God that makes us distinct. It can't be summoned on command. It can't be manipulated into action. It can only be sought after. It can only be hungered for. And as the word reminds us, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I believe that God is encouraging us to stir our hunger again, to get our hunger back. God is wanting us to get thirsty again, to open up the doors, to open up the gates and let the presence of Jesus fill our hearts and fill our lives with excitement. Are you hungry, thirsty for God? Are you hungry for a move of God? Are you thirsty to see God real in your lives? You know, many times when I meet someone new, I often ask them, I say, how did you get saved? And the reason I do that is because that salvation, they had an encounter with God. Something happened in their spirit. And so they all of a sudden perk up. They all of a sudden get a bit animated. They all of a sudden get a bit of excitement in their voice because they remember what it was like when they met Jesus. They remember what it was like when the presence of God wasn't a theory, but it was something that happened in their lives that turned them and said, yes, I, I give my life to you. See, they see Jesus. They don't see the church. They don't see the people, but they see Jesus. Yeah, I can tell you, some people will change because they meet an individually you know, excellent Christian and they want to be like that person. Some people can change because there's an excellent church structure, but eventually they'll fall away if they don't actually meet Jesus. It's the meeting of Jesus. It's the encounter with Jesus. It's the presence of Jesus that gets things going. It's the yeast that changes everything. And the Bible says that it comes as a seed of faith. It comes as a small mustard seed. And it's just there, but it grows and it grows and it grows. And it takes over your whole life. Many of us in this room would know what that's like. Walking for years without knowing God. Walking for years that God didn't exist. That God was just someone else's crutch. And then one day we came and met God ourselves. And it may have started as a small little thing, but all of a sudden it's taken over our lives and our lives are all about Jesus. I remember coming to church that first time, not understanding anything, just thinking, now this is one of those cults that are on current affair. I didn't even know anything about church, but God was there. He wasn't a bunch of wackos. It wasn't a bunch of weirdos that are just trying to do. It was God. I remember something changed in me that day. There was a direction change. I was walking, I saw God and I wanted God. I didn't understand any of it. My head was going, what the heck is this all about? But my heart was drawn to God. And let me tell you, there was an immediate change. It wasn't a slow change. It was an immediate change. That was 40 years ago. His presence made God real to me. And 1 Corinthians 14 tells us about that. It says an unbeliever or uninformed person will come into church. They'll see all these things going on. They'll hear people speaking in tongues. They'll see prophecies. They'll see people raising their hands and singing and doing all these different things. And they'll go, they're all crazy. They're all mad. But the Bible goes on and says that as they stay in that presence, all of a sudden uh, their heart will be convicted. All of a sudden the Spirit of God will start to work on their spirit and and, then they'll recognize their need of Christ. They'll they'll see their sin because the Holy Spirit will convict. And then the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 14, and they will say, surely God is in this place. 
Surely God is in this place because I don't want people to come to a merged church. I want people to come to Jesus. I want people to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. If this is the vehicle, awesome. I hope it's a vehicle for everyone. But I want people to have an encounter with his presence. You know, we can get embarrassed sometimes and think it's disorder. But in God's economy, his presence is never in disorder. I remember we did a Christ, uh, an Easter production once. I asked BJT to do that production. It might have been Joseph or his coat or one of those things. It might have been something. But I thought I'd, I'd do a teaser. I'll do a teaser for the uh, people uh, so they understand it's not going to be just, you know, Johnny Tryhard production. It's going to actually be good, right? And so I remember a number of people, and a number of people involved in BJT at that time weren't Christians. And they're all sitting in the second row, and they're going to get up and do their thing. And so I'm hyper aware of everything that's going on in church. Because I've got a whole row, basically, of non-Christians, of people who don't go to church, and so I go, hope permanent. And, and so I preached a great message, right, on, on reaching our community. And I had the excellent idea. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get someone from Albany Creek and someone from Eaton Zoo and someone from Strathpine and from the areas around there. I'm going to get them on stage, and I'm going to get them to, to pray. And it's going to be wonderful and it's going to be stirring and these unsaved people are going to see how much we care about the community that we're in. It was going to be excellent. So someone prays and someone else prays and I'm like, oh, gee, this is good. This is great. All of a sudden, one lady gets on the microphone and starts yelling in tongues. I'm like, oh my gosh, what are they thinking? What are they saying? Oh no, this is not what I wanted. How could they be speaking in tongues? What are the unsaved people thinking? And I literally went up behind her and I go, pray in English, right? <laughs> in her ear. You thought I was praying something nice? No, I was telling her, pray in English. I was embarrassed about what God was doing. You know, the, the service finished and this young lady came to the front and, and she was just crying and she, she went to Debbie Bradford and she goes, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. There's something here. Something has touched my heart. Something has challenged me. And something has, has changed me. I, I, what is it? Let me tell you, that was the easiest I've ever led someone to Christ. It was the easiest prayer I've ever prayed because they had been open because they'd had an encounter with the Spirit of God. Never ever let us be embarrassed by, by the things that we think are, are crazy or, or whatever that is not going to turn on Christians off. God doesn't want to get to their head anyway. He wants to get to their spirit. He doesn't even want to get to their heart, really. He wants to get to their spirit. He wants to make him alive. He wants to make their spirit alive. That which is dead comes into an encounter with the spirit of the living God. And all of a sudden, there's life and there's light and there's glory. There's glory. God rebuked me. He said, don't ever make it about the slickness and the coolness about being contemporary. Make it about an encounter with me. Don't be embarrassed by what I'm doing. Get behind what I'm doing. It's his presence that makes us distinct, nothing else. We need to lift up our hearts, our voices, and turn our spirit towards God's spirit. We need to get hungry again. You know, I, I realized as I was preparing this message that I, 
regularly speak on something along this topic. I've noticed that hungering and thirsting has, has been a common kind of theme of my preaching over the years, over my 40 years of being a Christian. And I want to say it's because that's what I've seen. That's what I've experienced. After 40 years, what I've realized, it actually is Jesus. It actually is an encounter with God that does something in our hearts. It's actually God and his presence that everything else sits upon. And I guess it's a bit like Nina's pastor. I'm not Nina's pastor. Nina's pastor, as in food. (laughs) You know, when we first started going out, Nina cooked me this great chicken pasta. It was, it was unbelievable. Well, we just started going out. We weren't engaged. We weren't doing it. We just started. She'd come over my house. I'll cook you a meal. She made me this chicken penne in this creamy white sauce. And I go, I've got to marry this girl. <laughs> right? that, that, it was set on that day. The way to a man's heart through his stomach. Amen. <laughs> and I tell her, that pasta's amazing. I want to say, I've eaten that pasta a thousand times. And I'm looking forward to eating it another thousand times. The first thing I did when he came back from Thailand, I said, Nina, make me your pasta. Right? If you come over to my house for a lunch and Nina's love language is cooking, I say, make that pasta because that pasta is sustaining to me. That pasta never gets old. It's what I love. And that's why I want to say to you, seek his presence. Seek God. Make knowing Jesus a a goal. Get hungry and thirsty for the things of God, not for the things of church. Get Jesus and everything else falls into line. No wonder the psalmist says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. Is there a longing? I walked in this morning And literally just started to cry because the presence of God is here. There's a longing to be in his house. You know, we went to church last week even though I was on holidays. Imagine that. Because being in God's house isn't something I do because I work here. It's something I do because I love Jesus and I want to be where he is. I want to be in his presence. It had been a while since I'd been in a place where there was just corporate worship And let me tell you, not many other people were raising their hands in this church, but I did. I didn't care. I'm going to raise my hands. I'm going to worship my God because I love my Jesus. And my Jesus loves me. I wonder, Peter the Apostle, seek the word of God like a baby desires the milk of his mother's breast. Right, God, I just want you. There's growth, there's vitality. There's growth in wanting and desiring God. And it all starts with desire. Hungering and thirsting in God's presence is sustaining. It's foundational to healthy Christian living. And I believe after all the rubbish of the last few years that we've got through, we need to get back to hungering to get back to Thursday. Thirsting Thursday. On on Friday. Nina and I caught up with uh, Henrico and Rosie to talk about his new role. And we actually started talking about important God moments that happened in his life. And he told me about, as a young man around 20 years old, God showed him something. He said this, Henrico, 
You've been treating me like a tool that you pull out of your utility belt when you need me. Because that needs to change. You've got it the wrong way around. You need to be a tool on my utility belt that I pull out when I need you. It's about an attitude change. I believe that's what the last few years have done. It's tried to get us to relegate God to someone who's there to help us when we're in trouble. We're just there. God, I need you. God, I got you. God, I, I need you right now. We've got to get back to seeing. It's not about God giving us whatever we want, being Father Christmas. It's about us wanting God. Yeah. It's about us wanting Jesus. It's always not being about God being our servant, but about us being a servant of God. Hunger and thirst for God, presence changing that. Spending time at the feet of Jesus changes that. Getting involved in the kingdom and being concerned for God's kingdom and not our own changes our perspective and we all of a sudden just want more of God. Times are refreshing. Don't come from having a break. They come from the presence of God. They come from knowing Jesus. The kingdom of God works like this. It's taste and see that the Lord is good. As we hunger and thirst for the things of God, we get a taste of God. The more taste of God we have, the more we start to desire him. The more we desire him, the more of him that we experience. And the more of him that we experience, the more of him we desire. And the more of him we desire, the more of him we experience. And the more of him that we experience, the more of him that we desire. Can you see where I'm going with this? If you want to stir up the things of God, if you want to stir up the lives of God, we got to take a bite again. we got to bite again and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. So how do you stir up the hunger and thirst of God's presence? It's by doing something. It's not just going to happen. you got to do something by committing yourself to a spiritual discipline. Go and do a fast. Have a specific time of prayer. Make sure there's great times of worship and, and praise in your secret place. Be in God's house. Reread and believe the words that God has spoken over your life, that God has given you over the years. So you'll never see how good God is. You'll never taste the goodness of God if you don't first take a bite. That's why summit's important. It's intentional. It's on purpose. It's deliberate. When you go through all of this year and you just kind of make it to the end of the year, no, nah, I'm just going to come back to his presence. You know, we prepared a feast. We're preparing a feast. The speakers, the worship, the, the interactions, the things that we're doing. It's a feast. We want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. Being together in unity, tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. You know, next week on Father's Day, we normally have Father's Day off because many people got to go and do things. But this Father's Day on Sunday night, we're actually going to have a time of worship. We're actually going to just get together and worship Him and just spend time in His presence. I want to stir up the hunger. Over the times to the end of the year, we're going to have some prayer meetings and some times of present seeking, seeking the heart and the, and the, and the life of God in our lives. You know, this year coming up, 2023, it's wonderful because the 1st of January is a Sunday, right? And so what I want to do is I want to have every night for the first week, I want to, I want to ask you, commit the start of next year, commit 2023 to seeking His presence. 
We're going to have meetings in, in all the locations seeking God just every night, just seeking God. I'm going to go on a fast and we're going to believe God that God's going to do something and, and stir the hunger within the church. I'm going to ask you to fast with me. I've thought about it, and what I might do is go on like Facebook every breakfast, lunch, and dinner where you'd normally be eating. I'll be, we'll be doing something together. I think it's going to be good. See, the world is thirsty. The world is bereft. The world is tired, and they need the presence of God. It's not our beliefs they need, not our behaviors they need. They don't need our doctrines. They need the presence of God. They need the presence of God. They need an encounter with Jesus. Maybe the band could come. In Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel is taken to see the temple of God. And he sees that in the temple there's a river. He goes forward until he's ankle deep. But it's not enough. So he goes forward a bit more and he's knee deep. But it's not enough. And he goes forward a little more until he's waist deep. But it's still not enough. Eventually, it goes all in. Eventually, it has to swim. Eventually, the water takes over. He can't control the water, but now the water controls him. That's what God is asking from us, Emerge Church. Don't just be ankle deep with God, where you're still in control, knee deep, waist deep, but go all in. Trust God where he's controlling your life not you controlling your life. And you'll see that as you let go and let God, what happens to you. Let's read what happens. Verse 40, 47, verse 12. Along the bank of the river, on this side and that, they will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither. Their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves of medicine. That's what hungering and thirsting does. It brings food to your soul. It brings food to your spirit. It brings healing into your life. Life there is in dry times. There's fruitfulness in regularity. It comes from the sanctuary. As we seek after the Lord, as we seek after His presence, healing comes. Provision comes, destiny comes, purpose comes, joy comes as we see God in the sanctuary. That sounds like the abundant life to me. You know, this morning, commit yourself to a renewed vigor in hungering for the presence of God. It really is the only thing that makes us different, which makes sense really, because it's not us who's meant to be different. It's the God that's in us, that dwells upon us, that's actually different. People aren't going to be changed by my life. They're going to be changed by the life of Christ in my life. That's what we're meant to do. So I want you to close your eyes and I want us to pray all together and I want us as a church to recommit to hungering and to thirsting after God. Pray after me, dear God, I commit to hungering after you, to thirst for your presence. This morning I take a step towards you. Forgive me if I've dulled in seeking you. Let me taste and see that you are good. 
Let me know you more. Let your presence be more real to me than ever before. I need you, Holy Spirit. Come fill me afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray that if we meant that from our hearts, that you, O oh God, would start to do a work within our spirits. Draw us to you afresh. Let there come a seeking and a hungering. Father, the Bible says that, that even the youths will faint. Your own strength is not enough. You need to rely on the strength of the Lord. You need to wait upon the Lord and you will rise up. Rise up on wings of eagles. We pray that and ask that in Jesus' name. Thank you.